To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs, and this is season two of The Mouse and Me. On the show, I'll chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including Imagineers, dancers, technicians, directors, musicians, and stuntmen, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Now, put on your Mickey ears or your princess crown and enjoy season two of The Mouse and Me. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the show. Before I bring on today's guest, if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit patreon.com slash themouseandme if you'd like to support the show. Also, be sure to search The Mouse and Me on the socials. We post questions, pictures, and information about past, current, and upcoming guests. We also throw in occasional Throwback Thursday and Flashback Friday in, so definitely check it out. Okay, that's my opening spiel for today. And now, today's guest. She was born in Miami, Florida, where she began her classical piano studies at the age of four. As a composer, arranger, and musician, she's traveled the world where she performed all over Europe, Asia, and the United States in such places as Montreux Palace in Switzerland, the Bayerischerhof in Munich, the Oasis Lounge in Hong Kong, and Carnegie Hall in New York City. She's been the guest solo artist with the Space Coast Pops Orchestra under the direction of maestro Richard Heyman, performing her own compositions and orchestral arrangements, and was the pianist with the Jacksonville Symphony, where she performed the works of legendary Broadway and movie composer Marvin Hamlish. At Walt Disney World, she's been performing in various shows since 1990. After many years as the resident musician for the improv troupe at the Comedy Warehouse on Pleasure Island, she spent many years entertaining as the resident Epcot pianist, playing at the world-famous Rosen Crown Pub at the United Kingdom Pavilion and at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. Music is her way of changing the world, one note at a time. Please welcome the piano lady, Disney legend, Carol Stein. Good afternoon, Carol. Hi, Scott. How are you? I am the best ever. How are you? <laughs> I'm also the best ever. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. I'm quite excited. Carol, you've had such a long and successful career. I, I'd like to start by asking you some questions about how you began. As okay. I mentioned in my intro, you started playing piano at age four. How, how did that come about? Like, did, did you show an interest in music? Do you come from a musical family or was piano lessons just something that your parents signed you up for because other kids were doing it? <laughs> Actually, I'm very fortunate. I came from a musical family. My mother and her sisters and brother were all musicians, dancers, artists. Um, they toured with Sammy Davis Jr. back in the 30s, the 1930s. Oh, my. <laughs> I know. My mother played trumpet and she went to New England Conservatory of Music. So there was a piano in the house when I was born and just a little spinet. I grew up on a little acoustic uh, spinet and I used to just play and sing like little kids do, banging on the keys. And at age two, I started picking out melodies and singing. Mary had a little lamb, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And my mother looked at me and she said, really? And uh, so she said, would you like to play? And I said, sure. So she taught me to read music. And uh, at age four, she said, would you like to take with a teacher? And oh, what does a four-year-old know? And I said, I, <laughs> sure. So she brought me to a teacher and the teacher said, well, four years old is pretty young because back then it was much younger than today. Kids learn 
to read in kindergarten already. In fact, then we didn't. And, and, uh, but the teacher did not know I had already learned to read music. So she showed me a book and said, try to see if you can learn this piece. And anyway, by the next week I had the book memorized and the teacher said, yes, yes, we'll take her as a student. And that's how I started. And my mother and father just encouraged me all the way. And you were born and raised in Miami. How, how long did you live there? No, I just lived there until I was six. And then uh, I lived on the East Coast, the Space Coast. Uh, and then I grew up in Orlando, in junior high okay. and high school here in Orlando. Yeah, before Disney, okay. BD, before Disney. My father <laughs> built homes for people that built Disney. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I ask because I was born in Hollywood, Florida. So just uh, north of you. Sure. My cousins yeah. are all still down. They're all, they're all in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you play any other instruments besides piano? I did. I um, I studied bassoon, traveled to Europe on a bassoon, and I played saxophone and, um, you know, the woodwinds when I was younger and older in college as well. And then afterwards, just mostly piano. Who are your musical influences? For piano, for jazz, I really, my hero is Oscar Peterson. He was such a brilliant pianist. I got to meet him and each one of his hands was the size of two of mine. He took my (laughs) hands in his and I just was like a young girl that I was absolutely enthralled. I had the opportunity. So as far as piano goes, Oscar Peterson and uh, elegant jazz would be Bill Evans. Um, As far as Disney music, Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz and the Sherman Brothers, just just supreme, just just beyond words of the joy and the creativity that they have all created. Where and when was your first professional performance? Oh, that's a good question. My first concert, I was like five years old. And then uh, in, in elementary school, I, I performed a lot. And then in junior high, I started performing at a performing arts studio. I was the pianist for a ballet studio. And he made me take ballet lessons so I could understand what they were going through. And that, that was not fun. Um, I'm a pianist. <laughs> and then, yeah, in junior high, I started uh, playing for solos and ensembles, what kids would do to perform each year to get their awards. And uh, I used to be the accompanist for everybody. And that's how I made my living as a kid. I, everyone else was working at Burger King. And I was playing piano at the Performing Arts Center and... Um, and playing for kids for juries, which I also did throughout university. It's, it's how I put myself through university too. Did you always want to major in music or, or did you have a different career path in mind? I knew I'd always be a musician, but I never wanted to be a struggling musician. And so I thought I'd, my brother was in dental school and I thought I'd, I'd become a doctor. And he said, no, don't do that. Then you won't do your medicine. So I said, okay, I'll do dentistry. So I went ahead and got my under degrees in dental hygiene and I got my master's degree in dental hygiene. And, and then I was going to go on to dental school and ended up going to Europe uh, for a break because I'd been going to school forever. And then I was uh, just playing a little bit here and there. And some agents said, hey, we'll book you for two years in advance all over Europe. And I said, well, okay. So I ended <laughs> up. But I kept my dental hygiene license <laughs> Until I was uh, 60. <laughs> wow. What did you write your thesis on? It was um, dental considerations for musicians. Because there are musicians that have real dental issues. For example, saxophonists and clarinetists, when they play, 
Um, their saliva will be right there under their teeth and they end up getting issues or violinists, their chins are already on the vein. They get TMJ issues. And I had a patient who is a professional trombonist and he lost his teeth due to periodontal disease and he never got the muscles of his embouchure back and could never really. And I was so upset that I wanted to educate musicians on proper dental care, how important it is. So since I was at University of Florida, where they had a dental school where I was going and the music school, I was able to work with the dental uh, staff and we did um, a study with all the musicians that would want to come in and we did dental exams on them and we explained to them the issues they have and how they can help themselves. And and that's why I mixed dentistry with musicians. I was so sad that this trombonist lost his profession and his love. Now you mentioned that you were booked two years in advance to travel <laughs> Europe. Talk to me about that. Well, it was it was just kind of a dream. I ended up performing uh, all over Europe, and when they, I was living in Switzerland as a dental hygienist. So right after University of Florida, I was offered a job in Switzerland because they never had dental hygienists before, so they imported Americans. So I had a full time twelve month a year work permit as a dental hygienist because they're very strict in foreigners going into the borders of Switzerland. And I lived, did that for four years and I was just playing music on the side for fun. And I was in a place called the Splendid Piano Bar where I'm going next week. We're going to Switzerland on Wednesday. So oh, we're going nice. next week. And they still have my picture up there from when I was 25 years old. <laughs> so I was just going there and with my dental hygiene friends and they said, oh, she's a pianist, she's a pianist. And they let me play and there happened to be an agent in there. And he said, oh my goodness, I can book you all over Europe. And, and, uh, and I had said, well, I don't know. I, you know, I have a commitment. So I finished out my fourth year as a dental hygienist with this wonderful Dr. Mueller. And then I ended up playing in the Swiss Alps most of the time. So I'd ski in the day and play music at night in these uh, piano bars at the five-star hotels. I was a bit of a princess. <laughs> and then I ended up, uh, but they took my work permit away my full-time living work permit because I wasn't a dental hygienist anymore. And they gave me a season's work permit for nine months of the year. And on that permit, it says for pianists and go-go dancers. And that's what it <laughs> says on my work permit. So I was only allowed to stay in Switzerland for nine months of the year. So I had to give up my flat in Zurich. So I lived in these, I, gee, I, I had to live in these five-star hotels that they put me up in. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to eat there and they, they would, give you all these new cuisines. And it was, it was marvelous. And I got to know the staffs at all the different hotels. And then the other three months of the year, I'd either just take off and travel and go to Israel or go to Africa, or go to Russia or come home and visit. Or I'd be booked in Norway for three months, or I'd be booked in Germany for three months or uh, different places like that. And I did that for decades until Disney, uh, they wanted me to come home. And for about seven years, I said, well, I was a CT. That's why I started in 1990. Whenever I was home in America, I would play with Disney. And then in 1997, they asked me to perform at the Comedy Warehouse. So I moved home from Europe in 97. And actually in Asia, I was living in Hong Kong at the time. And I moved home and started working at Disney full-time. So that's why this recently we went to the cast member service uh, celebration of my 25-year full-time, even though I've been with the company 32 years. Yes, I, I do want to ask you about that. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a couple <laughs> of other questions for you about your time overseas. Uh -huh. um, what was your favorite venue to play? Wow. What a good question. Mm. 
I, I just love them all. Every every venue had its own personality. You know, every cat, every staff, they were every location. You were I was in Locarno, which is on the lake down on in the Italian part of Switzerland, which is exquisite. Or up in the Alps of Arosa and Davos and Zermatt and they were all just amazing. The Bayerische Hof in Munich, I used to play all the time, especially during Oktoberfest. And it's a very fancy, schmancy, elegant hotel. And it was just wonderful. And the staff, they were just delightful. Um, and Hong Kong, I have to say, really stole my heart. I was performing at the Oasis Lounge in the um, New World Harborview at the time. Now it's called New Renaissance Harborview, right connected to the um, convention center on the Hong Kong island side. And it was really a fabulous, enlightening experience. I learned so much. Whenever I travel, whatever country I go to, I'd always read. And I'd read historical novels and I'd read because of languages. And, and I learned so much. And that opened my eyes to Asia that I had never been aware. So I'd go on my, I'd go to Thailand and I'd go to China and I'd go to Bali. And it was wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what style of music do you most enjoy performing? Boy, you've got some good questions. Um, <laughs> it depends on my mood. I, I certainly do love jazz, but mainstream straight ahead, more the American songbook style jazz. I love performing with others like vocalists. We have the most amazing, brilliant vocalists in Central Florida that I just love performing together with them. And I have my jazz quartet that I and quintet that I play with. I love Disney, love Disney music, love Broadway music. Um, not, you know, I'll play the rock songs and the pop songs that you're supposed to, but um, <laughs> not my favorite venue. And there's some gorgeous country western songs, not so much mm -hmm. my my forte, but, you know, every style of music has just wonderful aspects. And you're also a songwriter. Mm -hmm. What does your songwriting process look like? Like what comes first for you, the music or the lyrics? It depends. Usually the same time. Um, it depends on the on the situation of what I'm writing for. Sometimes the lyrics just come, and and I'm I'm feeling the genre that I want to do. It is it a ballad? Is it a upbeat? What is it? And then the music comes, and then maybe when I'm writing the music, I'll say, oh, let's change those words, or oh, let's change that form, or and it's kind of a, a mission. Sometimes it just happens together in your head. You're just walking, and all of a sudden, oh, I've got a melody with words. And you sit down. Sure, right? sure. Sometimes it takes a night. You know, you're just an hour, and you wrote a song. Sometimes you write it, and you go back to it the next day, and you go, eh, not so much. Let's try this again. <laughs> Who would you most like to collaborate with? Wow. Alan Menken. Oh, my gosh. What a mm. dream that. Or Stephen Schwartz. Wow. Wow. What a question. Nobody's ever, ever asked me that before. Yes. Wow. Yes. Excellent. Bravo. <laughs> that was an easy answer, though. That came quite easy. I mean, I just think they are truly uh, so brilliant. Their melodies and their lyrics. And, and I mean, when you have little kids singing about frozen fractals from Frozen, I mean, it's right. it's amazing. That, and, and the diversity that, that of, the, of the melodies, how they keep coming out with such exquisite, memorable lyrics mm -hmm. and, and melodies. It's, it's quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned your first job with Disney was at the Comedy Warehouse. Can you talk to me about your time there? Well, my first, that was full time. My first day I ever performed at Disney property was at the Grand Floridian Lobby as the mm. lobby pianist. And my heart will always, I just love the Grand Floridian. Matter of fact, my husband and I were married there. And oh, nice. I know. It's my, and 
it, it's a very special place. It's so romantic and so elegant and so exquisite. And here you are wearing these gorgeous costumes, whether it's a tux or a gown, performing on a Steinway Grand in the middle of this exquisite, beautiful resort. And I just love it. So that was my first. And then um, I subbed a whole lot. hoop de doo And uh, I was a Kids of the Kingdom. You used to have the Kids nice. of the Kingdom band. Yeah, most of us were in our 40s and 50s. <laughs> we were still Kids of the Kingdom. Um, and the hoop de doo of course. The hoop de doo and, and conventions galore. But my first full time, I happened to be in town. And um, somebody called me since I was status at Disney. And they said, hey, we, we need a pianist for Comedy Warehouse. And... Um, there was nobody available and there, I don't know what happened. The pianist was sick or whatever it was. And I had two hour rehearsals before the show and then did the shows. And that was, wow. And I fell in love with it. Oh my gosh. I fell in love with what a creative, intelligent, amazing, compassionate cast of crew of very unique individuals, (laughs) the actors and improv artists at comedy warehouse, they're still, I mean, family to this day. I just, mm-hmm. I owe so much of my career and, and what I love about performing to Chris Oyen, who brought me in to do that. I was absolutely wowed by that position. I've interviewed two of your friends who Ooh. worked there, Andrea Canny uh-huh. and Cullen Douglas. Well, they were more at Adventurous Club. They were at the Adventurous Club. Oh, was, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was at Comedy Warehouse. But I did learn Adventurous Club as fingers. Um, and But we all share the same green room. And those are two amazingly talented people. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> or he's done, he recently did this, this uh, The Happiest Man on Earth, the Billy Flanagan story. He did yes. that. He produced that. Yeah. And Andrea Not- Canny, she, I just got to see her in Pilar's um, this last week. And she's just such a talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a great time chatting with them. And I'll bet. Them. I'll bet. So when did you jump over to the Rose and Crown? I mean, so uh, that was after the Grand Floridian. Yeah. Well, I always just played. I just subbed, like I said, the first seven years as CT. And then my okay. full-time status position was at Comedy Warehouse. And and then I would still sub all the other places on, uh, if they ever needed me there, they'd take a sub and put it in Comedy Warehouse. And I got to do the Grand Floridian, play with the Grand Floridian band or play in the lobby or do a show or a convention. Or a lot of the times the conventions were with other people from Comedy Warehouse because they're so versatile and so talented. I performed at Comedy Warehouse until 2008 when they closed Pleasure Island. <laughs> oh my goodness we were devastated never did we think that would happen oh my gosh my wife and i went there before we were married and we went to the adventurers club we went to Mm -hmm. uh, i I don't remember the name of it but it it was the the blues club or or the jazz Mm -hmm. club we had such a great time and then when they said oh yeah we're we're closing it down we, we were really sad oh we were devastated our, oh, our whole lives were turned upside down. That was just, never could we imagine that. So now it's Disney Springs is what right. that is. So when that was going to close, I didn't know what I was going to do, actually. I was maybe going to go back to Europe. And I really wanted to stay near my parents because they were getting up in years. And I really wanted to stay. And all of a sudden, a couple of weeks, 
before they were closing Pleasure Island, they had auditions for an opening. They were changing the concept at the Rose and Crown to the Hat Lady. And the Hat Lady was uh, an American woman who had a joie de vivre of life that traveled around the world and played music. Mm -hmm. I went, well, that's a stretch, not. (laughs) (laughs) So I sat there and I learned a bunch of English pub tunes and Irish pub tunes. And I wrote a song called The Rose and Crown Pub. And I got myself a hat and I put pearly queen thingies on it and made myself an outfit. And I went into the auditions. I really never auditioned, hardly ever. This was, it was very unique. I mean, usually people would see me and say, hey, will you do this gig? Or, and I was petrified. I went, oh my gosh, an audition. What is that? So I just went in there and did what I did. I was who I am. And I, and then after the audition, they said, can you stick around? And I said, sure. And they showed me the costume. And I was, oh, it was so exquisite. It was so much fun. This vibrant, huge hat with flume feathers and a big satin skirt with sparkles. And, and it was a, kind of an 1890s look that was just so gorgeous. And uh, so they asked me, they said, would you do full time there? And I said, sure. And so I really worked hard because that was a, a whole new genre for me. And I learned hundreds of songs. I would go home and practice and, and learn uh, Irish pub tunes, Scottish songs, Welsh songs. I never knew Welsh songs. And lots of, I studied, I went to England actually, because I had to take, they made me go take a vacation because I hadn't. And I went mm-hmm. to the, uh, the British Music Hall and I watched their shows and I went to pubs and I did research on my holiday and came back and it was, um, it was again how grateful I was to be introduced to a whole new genre of performing. And yeah, uh, Forrest Baruth was the uh, show director for that, who was instrumental in me having that position. And, and then I stayed there for until COVID. You said you went home and you learned all these different songs. Did they tell you to learn these songs or did you just find them on your own and you learn them because, okay, I'm playing in this English pub. I should play this type of music. Yes. And yes. Uh, we had two weeks of rehearsal. So I was still working at comedy warehouse at night and rehearsing every day. And they had a book of certain songs that they had put together some wonderful old British, you know, songs. Um, but you have to always, keep up with the times and add new things and people make requests and I'm there for the guests. So whatever they'd ask for, I'd either pull it up on my iPad and sight read it and play it. Or I, the next day I would have that song. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people kind of didn't realize it's a pub, not a piano bar. And they'd always want to hear, you know, Billy Joel, Hilton John, Brown Eyed Girl, <laughs> etc. So, you know, you do whatever your audience wants, but I tried really, really hard to stick with the theme because Disney is so very good at that. Mm-hmm. If you look at the details that the Imagineers put into every place, including the pub and my costume and the reason I was there. So I tried very much to stick to that concept, but it turned into, I used a lot of the skills that I learned at the comedy warehouse and I would improvise. I would, you Oh, it's Scott Jacobs coming in the room. Hey, Scott. Oh, it's your anniversary. Oh, it's your birthday. And I find out about you, where you're from, what do you do? And then I make up a song about you. And it turned into a lot of total personalization, celebrating the guests kind of an environment, which I adored. 
and you get to make people happy. It's all about them. You could always sit and play songs and sing, and but to to get to do what I love and to celebrate the guests is it's just an extra joy that I was so fortunate at the Rose and Crown through Disney, which is why I really loved it there. So the arrangements of the songs that you played, uh, you said that you would sometimes just you know just make it up on the spot, whatever songs that you already knew that you had in your back pocket that you played all the time. Was that a set arrangement like from sheet music or you just made it up on the spot? Oh no, no. We, I don't think I've ever played anything the same way twice. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You, that's the freedom of that particular type. Now, if you're playing a classical piece of music, you have to play what's written, what Mozart wrote, what Beethoven wrote. But when you're doing what I do usually, um, it's my interpretation of whatever the song is. It's always done a la Carol Stein. Um, if I do a Barbara Streisand song, I don't have Barbara Streisand's voice. That's her very own instrument. It'll be my way. Uh, mm-hmm. Even Disney songs, they're done. Now, I love, I do love to change arrangements and styles. And, of course, people will ask me, I'll, I'll take a, a Disney song and they'll say, play it in the style of Be- Beethoven or Dvorak. Or, and I'll do that because I love to do that. But as far as standards or rock songs, it depends on the mood. Sometimes you do them as a ballad or sometimes sure. you do them up speed. Or... That's, that's the jazz. That's where the jazz comes in. You know, you take a melody, here's the basic chords, and then you put it in your own creative, interpretative way. Are you able to maybe demonstrate playing a Disney song in a different style? Sure. Um, what song would be like? Uh, um... Be Our Guest. Okay. And do you have a... Okay, we'll just take Be Our Guest, the original, and then I'll do it as a maybe a little classical thing. Okay. Okay. If it happens to be, um, okay, Mozart or Beethoven, something like that. Thank you. 
Wow. That is perfection. Thank you for that. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Just depends on your mood. You know, maybe somebody wanted it in Chopin or somebody wanted it as a a very slow andante or or a jazz version, whatever. Sure, sure. Can you talk about some of your favorite Disney performing moments? Ah, I can tell you my one of my most. It was uh, for a D twenty three convention, and I got to sit at the piano with Robert Sherman of the Sherman Brothers. (laughs) Oh man. My little heart was pitter pattering, and uh, yeah, no, it was. I got to. Uh, I was performing with um, Billy Flanagan, of course, mm-hmm. and and we did. Um, oh, um, from the American Adventure, Golden Dream. What is it called? I can't remember. But so we were there doing that, and then that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Now, you mentioned earlier that you just celebrated a very special event at the Magic Kingdom. It was a cast celebration. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk to me more about that? And that was actually a day after my birthday. So in honor of my birthday, you <laughs> <Yeah>. celebrated. <laughs> they, they do this wonderful thing. It's called Celebrate You. And it's once you've been there at least 10 years and then 15, your milestones, 20, 25, mm-hmm. 30, 35, 40. Um, I, I'm, yesterday, I was with someone. It was her 50th. She's been with Disney 50 years. And Billy Flanagan's been there over 40. He's been 41 years there already. Yes. So a lot of us grew up here together. Well, I literally grew up here, but it's really a brilliantly done evening. They they really pull out all the stops. They have red carpet in front of the Magic Kingdom. They have Your photos looked incredible <laughs> in the event. It was. They the lighting, the engine, you know, Disney, what makes it so amazing at Disney is the creativity of the whole team. The lighting engineers, the musicians, oh, the bands. They had brilliant bands in front of the castle, over in the um, Tomorrow World. They had uh, in Adventureland. They had uh, they had country western bands. They had Latin bands. They had uh, um, so many live musicians. It was really made me happy. And they had alcohol. Shh. They had food. <laughs> they had delicious food. And just seeing all your peers and everybody just, they had a, a fireworks special just for us. It was really very well done. Um, congratulations, kudos to the team that did that. It really was such a well done evening, and we had so much fun. And all of a sudden, it was midnight. I couldn't believe it. I felt like Cinderella. Oh no, it's midnight, and uh, it's just so wonderful when they take the time to celebrate the uh, cast members because the cast members are what make the magic there, and it was fun. Every time Tracy and I go to a Disney park, every single day, we make it a point to go to guest services to leave positive feedback about a cast member. It's so appreciated. And it goes on their record and it really helps those, the career of those who want to do that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Uh, You know, we, we, we also go up to certain cast members and we thank them for being there for us because they really do make the magic, you know, and a lot of people will call it cheesy and you know, they can call it whatever they want. 
I'm calling it magical because in my world, that's exactly what it is. And it's, well, it's the cast members. It's, I have to say, out of over three decades of being there, most of the time, it's legitimately love. We love being there. It really mm-hmm. is. The, the smiles aren't fake. It's, wow, how fortunate, how really, truly, how fortunate was I to be full-time for over three, you know, so long, decades, and have a career doing what I love with people who are so amazingly talented in the most, quote, unquote, magical environment in the world. Mm-hmm. So most, I have to admit, most of the time, I mean, everybody has a bad day in their life and they just smile because that's their, they have to. But um, when you're there, when things are tough, because everybody goes through sad times and tough times, when you're there as a guest or as a cast member, it really does brighten your life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thing, this Disney. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. truly, the family that I've met that, that are, are they're friends and cast members, but they became family. I mean, mm-hmm. you have Sheila Smith-Ward, who was, oh my goodness, you came in and she was there when you, for that evening before you went on the red carpet. And at the end of the night, she was there. Off stage, she's just as incredibly loving, charmingly, witty, just an amazing person. And when it comes out in her character, that's real. It's just amazing. My husband sat there for like the that third, last 30 minutes of the evening. He says, I just want to stay here and watch Sheila. Sheila mm-hmm. Smith board. She's just so, he's like, she's so creative. And if somebody would walk by and she would even know who they were, just she'd remember their names from guests at the Adventures Club or, or she's worked with them or she'd meet someone or, and she'd have something to, again, celebrating the guest, mm-hmm. you know? And when you're a cast member and somebody celebrates you, whether it's a fellow cast member or the company, wow, that was a double wow. That was great. <laughs> Now you mentioned the fireworks and they had great mm-hmm. food and great mm-hmm. adult beverages. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite attraction to do that evening? Well, you know, we could go on every attraction because they closed the park off to everybody except us. But we were having so much fun just listening to the bands and seeing our friends. We only went on It's a Small World and Peter Pan. Because mm. I love Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's my girl. So yeah, that, those are the only two rides we actually even went on. And the evening went by so quickly. It was just, we were having so much fun just seeing some people who I haven't seen in a decade or two. I mean, Pleasure Island closed in 2008. Right. Almost 15 years, you know? So that was, people, guests would come up and say, oh my gosh, you were the pianist at Comedy Warehouse. And I haven't seen them since. And there they were. <laughs> it was really great. Yeah. Well, Congratulations on your years of service. And like I said before, your your photos, they (laughs) they looked like you were having the best time ever. And I loved seeing them. Yeah, it was. It was so much fun. Now, you've also cruised on all of the Disney ships. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a specific ship and itinerary that stands out to you? Well, we went to Hawaii. They didn't do that one very often. Uh, We went to Hawaii and stayed at Alani first for Mm. a week. Nice. And then we did this wonderful itinerary around the islands. Um, I think it was the magic, the Disney magic. Yeah, that one. And then it went cross Pacific up to Vancouver. So you had several days just to enjoy the ship and the cast mm-hmm. and the shows. So that probably that one, but I happen to love the dream. 
that mm-hmm. that ship is just exquisite. I love them all. I mean, yeah, we were just recently also on the Wish, um, and the Imagineers are just again stellar in their details of creativity. We could not believe the level of detail on <laughs> yeah. the Wish. We could not believe that. I mean, we had just come off from a big cross uh, cross Atlantic cruise on another cruise line. That was fabulous. We had the best time. Entertainment was great. And then we were home for a week. And then to celebrate my retiring full time from Disney, we went on the Disney Wish. And nobody gets better service from the cast than cast members at Disney. They were Mm -hmm. they were just supreme. The mm-hmm. cast members, anything you needed, they were there to try to help you with. And, you know, it was, it's a new ship. So there are sometimes issues to deal with. But boy, customer service, ah, just fabulous. It was great. You picked up that Hawaiian cruise in Hawaii, like in mm-hmm. Honolulu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long was the crossing over to Vancouver? Like four or the, five days? Yeah, it was a whole 10-day cruise. So it was, you know, on the islands. And I think it was like maybe four days at sea. Okay. Something like that. Because I used to work, this is another lifetime ago, I used to work on cruise ships. And when my tap partner and I would do the Hawaiian cruises, only one time did we start in Hawaii. Oh, The other times we started in San Diego right? and we did the crossing and it was either four or five days depending on the cruise. And one time we did the full cruise from San Diego back to San uh-huh. Diego. Oh, it was fantastic. I saw, I and, saw some YouTube clips uh, of you dancing with Brandon. Yes. Yes, I yes, saw yes. that. I loved it. <laughs> he he is a lot of fun. Yes, he is. <laughs> he, um, Brandon and Andy say yes. you're the best and they do say hello. <laughs> I love them. See, there's an example. I met them through, the, I met them through uh, Disney. They oh. are just two of the greatest guys ever. Those they, are two friends you want in your life. Oh my gosh. You talk about natural pixie dust. Good Lord. 100%. And he's a dentist, of course. You know, That's he's, right. He's That's a right. dentist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've also been to every single Disney park around the world. Carol, you are just <laughs> living my dream. <laughs> well, I got to go to Tokyo. I was performing in, in Tokyo on my traveling days before full time here. And um, I played at the Playboy Club was one of the last two playboy clubs oh wow and it was in the Rapongi nightlife district of tokyo so of course i was in japan so i went to um disneyland there and then uh, when i was living in europe um i had gone to disneyland paris but then i also for our honeymoon um i was performing on it i was already booked on a cruise in france up the rhone river a river cruise um i was the jazz artist guest artist and so we ended up making that our honeymoon, and then we stayed an extra week in Paris, and of course we stayed at we went to Disneyland, of course, Paris, and got nice. to see that. That was great. And then um, since I had lived in Hong Kong, I, I wanted my husband to get the chance to meet my friends in Hong Kong. So we did a, a month in China first, and then we ended our month in China and went in Shanghai and got to go to the Shanghai Disney, which absolutely blew my mind. It was fabulous. Of course, we were kind of lucky. They kind of gave us a VIP treatment. We were really lucky. And nice. we got to see everything in there. It's big. The castle is, it's the largest castle. castle. Yeah, it's it, huge. It, it looks enormous. And they have a show in front of it. It must have like 50 dancers and 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 musicians and singers and, and just maybe a hundred. I mean, it just, it was overwhelmingly large and brilliantly produced. And their parades and their costumes and 
So that was fabulous. And then we went to the Hong Kong because I wanted to go to Hong Kong for a week after that. And we went to the Hong Kong Disney, which is, I believe, the smallest Disney and just brilliant. They have Mystic Manor instead of Haunted Mansion. And it's yes. the first time I rode on one of the rides. It's like we have a Mickey and Minnie's Wild ride here at the studios. What's that? Oh, called? the uh, the Runaway Railway. Runaway Railway, yes. And it's that kind of a, a, a coach that you're in. It's that free feeling. And that was the first time I'd seen that. And that was adorable. That was really adorable. Um, and even though it was small, it was very well done. And they have a, a train that goes right there because the tra- public transportation in Hong Kong is fabulous. And the train is Disney-esque. And it's just brilliant. And they have their own train stops. So it nice. made it very, very cool. Yeah, very well done. Tracy and the kids and I are going to Paris in April. Oh! And Tracy had been to Paris uh, this is forever ago before we we even knew each other. I had been before we knew each other. So now we're going as a family and we're going to spend two days in Disney. What's a for sure do not miss while we're there? Well, they have a, um, a pirate's island. The kids are going to love that. They have a whole section of pirates. Um, same thing. In, oh, I have to go back to Shanghai. The Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Shanghai is like no other ride. It's nothing like the ones we all have. Nothing at all. They use modern technology and they have a whole pirate section too, a big ship and a, and a whole, whole pirate section. If you go to the Shanghai one, you have to do that. But also, so they have an island there and they also, in Paris, they have a, a, a pirate place, but they also have a, an Alice in Wonderland maze. That's mm. really, really cool. You know, we have okay. our, our, our British gardens over there at the UK that's sort of a little maze like Alice in Wonderland, but they have a whole huge, big, it's really beautiful, really lovely done. Okay. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's and it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful. Their castle is beautiful. Everything is. It's just an exquisite park as well. Oh, they all are. (laughs) I can't wait. All right. So you've been to all the parks in the different countries. Musically, is the music in the park similar from park to park, or does the location of the park have an impact on the music? I mean, Disney music is Disney music, but is there a difference? Just the language. Like they'll do just some of in in Shanghai, they were singing uh, all the songs in in Chinese mostly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But the music, I mean, Alan Menken's music is Alan Menken's music, and Elton John's music is Elton John's music, and the arrangements, of course. Oh my gosh. Disney arrangers. So lush and so. They even have in um in Shanghai they have a, a they have a lot of more live musicians too. They had a a band like we used to have on Main Street, and their costumes are adorable, just bright yellow, Mickey yellow, Mickey red, and and uh, it's a maybe a five piece with brass band and saxophone and just really fun. So you're walking in the park, and they have choreography too. And well, like we have the big Main Street now, we have the fabulous band that marches down Main Street. These guys here in Orlando. Wow. Have you ever seen their shows? I have. I and, love oh, it. They're, they're such brilliant musicians. I mean, we're talking about serious world-class musicians. Wow. Um, so yeah, they have, uh, yeah, all that, everything that they have. Nice. And I was, I was really lucky to go to the um, Club 33 in Shanghai. Oh, nice. <laughs> I've been to all the ones here um, in Orlando. I have not been to the one, the original one in Anaheim. That one I've not been to. I wanted, we were just there in October at Disneyland in Anaheim, but um, but the one in Shanghai was the first one I'd been to. And it is so elegant. And the chef came out. We were only the only ones in there at the time. 
for a whole hour till another table came in and the chef was just, what can we make you? Anything you want, we'll do. And they brought us so many different things that they just created. That was very special. Very special. How do you define Disney magic? Oh, boy, you really have some great questions, Mr. Scott. (laughs) I think part of it is just pure joy and happiness. When it's rain, when it was raining outside and there'd be a family come in, a father, a mom and two kids and they're all wet and the kids are crying because they're tired and they're wet. And then they come in and I get to make a song about them. And before they leave, the kids are smiling and happy and the father will turn over and look at me and go, thank you. And he's dancing with his little girl or mm. his you know, son. That to me is Disney magic. When I go and I watch the guests watching the parades and they're so it doesn't have to be a little girl it could be a grown person such as myself who just really appreciates everything that went into the logistics of creating something like that and seeing the joy or seeing someone's favorite character come by and they just get so excited or can you imagine I mean you're being proposed to at Disney, when it's something that you've loved, that's Disney magic. It's taking something and putting this spark in your heart that just brings you such joy. And it's also what I love about Disney, whether it's the movie or the Broadway or the um, music or the parks or the ships, is it lets you forget about sadness in the world. It lets you forget about troubles you may be going through. It's really, when we were at the Comedy Warehouse, we had many, many return guests. But there were often guests where we had this one woman, we had no idea. And we used to start the phone call, uh, the show with a phone call. And there'd be a phone, it would ring, and somebody in the audience would have to answer it. Where are you from? Mm-hmm. What do you do? And more than once, someone had answered and said, they cannot thank the cast any way as much as they could because they had been going through some serious medical challenges. And the only thing that got them through was coming there. And now they were celebrating being healthy, Mm. cancer-free, and they came back. And to me, when you can affect someone's life to help them feel happy and forget about something very serious or tragic or challenging, that's Disney magic. Hmm. That's beautiful. If you could have any Disney park to yourself for a day, what park would it be? What would you do? And who besides me would you invite? Well, easy answer is I'd invite my husband because I adore him and love every cell in his body. So that's, that's, oh gosh, that's really difficult because people always ask me, oh, what's your favorite park? Every park has something so amazing. I mean, you walk into Magic Kingdom and you see the castle, especially illuminated as it is right now for the 50th, with mm-hmm. the purples and luminescent blues and gold and, and spotlights. It's wow. It's wow. It's that wow factor. And it's the traditional where our roots come from as Disney. You know, it just really is. But Epcot has a big place in my heart because the various seasons that they celebrate. Right now, the Festival of the Arts, and they bring Broadway singers in, and they have this beautiful aesthetic artwork that you're looking at. 
And then you have the Flower and Garden Festival where you get to really appreciate not only the actual physical beauty of Epcot, which it is, but Mother Nature as well. And then you have the Food and Wine Festival. Well, can't say enough about that. And then the holidays. Every park, no matter where you go at Disney during the holidays, it's just such an experience, whether it's the shows or the or the decorations or whatever they've done. Um, you know, in the Animal Kingdom, I love going just to walk around. Mm-hmm. And again, to to enjoy the beauty of nature that Disney has really done so well. Um, and the shows, oh my gosh, The Lion King. And have you seen the new Nemo show yet? Y- yes. Uh, yes. So, the, you know, the talent in these shows and, and the, the writers and the musicians and the creators and the producers and the techs and the, and the talent of the physical cast members, the acrobats and the singers and the, it's, it's really something. I, I can't give an answer to that one. They're just, you know, and that's, for those who are fair. Star Wars fans, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you walk down, you go into the studios and, and then of course then you have Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the hero, Kevin Bassard, that's been there since forever, the first Indiana Jones and, and, uh, and then going to the frozen sing-along at the studios. That's just, you know, again, watching the guests enjoy that show is just uh, so special. So, nope, can't give you an answer on that one. Love them all. <laughs> that, that's fair. Sorry. <laughs> that is fair. All right, Carol, you get to compose the music for a new stage show for Disney. <gasps> what kind of show would you want to work on and where would you like to see it performed? On Disney or, or Broadway? <laughs> I'd love to <laughs> Uh, it, it could be any new stage show for Disney oh. and it could be performed anywhere. So it's well, your choice. I'd love to collaborate with Alan Menken and or Stephen Schwartz and um, create a whole new show. Just a whole new, maybe it's a whole new character. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, uh, but in that style, the real Broadway style, the real show style with real melodies and, and dancing and a big chorus and Exquisite fabrics and yeah. Okay. That, oh boy, what a dream that would be. <laughs> All right. So I'm throwing out Club 33 out there, and you're throwing <laughs> Alan Lincoln and Stephen Schwartz. There you out go. There. Come on, Tinkle Bell, get your pixie dust, make it happen. This will never happen, but if if Disney were to liquidate tomorrow, and you had one day to eat whatever and wherever you wanted on Disney property anywhere in the world. Where would you eat and what would you have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for your final Disney meals? Uh, Mickey ice cream premium bar for breakfast, Mickey ice cream premium bar for lunch, and Mickey ice cream premium bar for dinner. (laughs) 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 Uh, And I I love Sanaa. Sanaa. I could just live on their bread um, section, the wine over at Animal Kingdom. They have a, it's called Shakalaka Wine. Uh, boy, I'm giving you more than one answer, aren't I? Let's no, that's see. Breakfast, fine. breakfast, I would probably go, you're going to laugh, I'd probably go to um, a character buffet because then you get your choice of all your favorite foods and you get to enjoy all the fabulous characters that I, I remember when we went to the Grand Floridian, they had that and we really enjoyed that. Um, lunch would probably be um, maybe at the Nomad Lounge. I like sitting outside and, and, and watching the river and and they have beautiful selections and that shakalaka wine it's the first time i had that there and dinner well i don't want to sound cliche but probably victoria and alberts mm-hmm. <laughs> either victoria and alberts or club 33 in shanghai 
Those okay. would be my favorite. Okay. Yeah. And of course, Club 33 would be with me. Yes. Yes. There you go. You, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'll tell my honey, Lee. Sorry. No, no, no. He, <laughs> he, he'll be there too. But I mean, th- this, that's my ticket in. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Disney tradition that you must do every time you visit the parks? I love to see the live shows. I, I just have to say that. I mean, the attractions are brilliant and, and they're fun. And But the live shows are, are what, when you walk, well, I hope that comes back. When you walk down Main Street, they'd have the live streetmosphere actors. And mm-hmm. when, when you used to walk down the studios and they'd have those amazing, oh my gosh, the live actors that were on stage in all the shows. Um, that would be I would rather, which is what we did. That, like when you said all the rides, we only went on two rides when we were there for the uh, celebration. We were so busy watching all the live entertainment, mm-hmm. which that no matter what the show is, live entertainment is different every time. Like when you ask me my arrangements, they're different every time. So it, it, it's a live entertainment. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't too. You right, know, right. you know, we make mistakes. It's it's a human thing, and and. I think that's it. When you go and I saw the Nemo show just last week when I went to the studios and um, I mean at Animal Kingdom and oh, seeing these actors sing these songs and, and these dancers and, and the costumes. It, really, I was lost in it. I was just lost in it. That, mm-hmm. that would be, if anything, I said just see live shows. Yeah. Okay. What's something that brings you instant joy in Disney World? Tinkerbell. Just think Tinkerbell. It's so silly. I know it is, but it, it just does. It's not silly. <laughs> it just is. Carol, we've been talking a lot about your career and your time working for Disney. I'd like to switch gears for a bit and play some Disney games. What do you think? Would you play some Disney games with me? I'll try. <laughs> sure. And now it's time to play Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Carol, I'm going... Nice. I'm, uh, I'm going to name three. Actually, I always do a little musical interlude. Oh, okay. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm going to name three things and you have to rank them in the order you prefer. So as a musician, Elton John, Billy Joel, Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> that was easy. That was one of the best live concerts I've ever been to. He okay, makes you right. feel he's singing just to you, like you're in his living room and he's brilliant and his musicians are brilliant and his arrangements are phenomenal and he's just such a talent. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Harry Connick Jr.'s first. Now you also have Billy Joel and Elton John. What? Oh, I have to go second and third? Mm-hmm. Billy Joel and then Elton John. Okay. As a composer, George Gershwin, <gasps> Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim. <gasps> No, there's no one, two, and three. They're all one, one, and one. No, okay. can't do it. Gershwin is absolutely my hero. Leonard Bernstein, oh my gosh. And, and uh, oh yeah, no, Stonheim. It's funny, if Laura Hodos is listening to this interview, she's going to say, you don't like Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> well, I don't enjoy playing Stephen Sondheim. And I, he'd be not my first composer, but that doesn't say he's not the most a very brilliant composer, mm-hmm. but yeah, but yeah, I can't, I can't put a one, two, three. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> so the next Huey, Dewey and Louie festival of the arts, 
Flower and Garden Festival, Food and Wine Festival. Oh, Festival of the Arts, absolutely. Flower and Garden mm-hmm. Festival, and then Food and Wine Festival. Okay. Have you been to any of the Festival of the Arts so far this year? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. love those. Yeah, I love all about it. I love seeing the different artists. Um, I, got, I have some artwork right here hanging that was given to me by one of the artists. Absolutely surprised me. And love, 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 love it. And, um, and I love... When you get to go see these entertainers from Broadway, they love being there. They have so much fun doing mm-hmm. what they love doing for people who love what they do. So it's like, it's a win-win performance. It's great. Yeah. Nice. All right. The next Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Mickey Pretzel, Dole Whip, Churro. I don't like any of them. I'm sorry. They all okay. get They're all in three. <laughs> Everyone's going to say, what? You don't like Dole Whip? No, I don't. Well, you did say Mickey Ice Cream Bar. So, you know, it's Mickey Ice Cream Bar, Mickey Ice Cream Bar, Mickey Ice Cream Bar. Yes, that's it. There you go. Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, The next Huey Dewey and Louie. Sana at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Victoria and Albert at the Grand Floridian. (sighs) Topolino's at the Riviera Resort. Oh, you're doing that again. My favorites. Well, if somebody wanted to treat me and they'd say, you want to go to Victoria and Albert's, yes, I would do that. What's your go-to dish there? Oh, they hit, there's like nine courses each meal. I don't know. I don't. Um, okay. I've only been there once. I can only afford to go there once. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria and Albert's. Um, no, that, that was just way too exquisite. Um, and then Sana. Okay. And then Tupolino's was great. I've, we've eaten there. It's just, again, the cast's fabulous and the food is great. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move on to attractions. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Flight of Passage, mm-hmm. Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Flight of Passage is absolutely one of the most amazing rides I've ever been on anywhere in the world. Mm. So that's definitely one. Okay. And then... Uh, what were the other two, Ratatouille and? Ratatouille and Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. Ratatouille and then Under the Sea. But they're all great. Okay. I love in flights, in, in Flight of Passage, when the water sprays and hits you in the face and the just, breathing of the banshee. I just love everything about it. It's so mm-hmm. exquisite. And you feel like you're in this world. It's just, I, I was really wowed by that. That and the Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai are certainly the two most amazing creative attractions anywhere I've ever seen. I've watched uh, uh, one of those uh, point of view videos on YouTube from the Pirates attraction in Shanghai. It does look spectacular. It's great. It's just great. Nice. All right. The next Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Oh, yeah. Mickey's PhilharMagic. Uh-huh. Festival of the Lion King. Oh, Gosh, oh, I'm going to have to put Festival of the Lion King, maybe, but in tied, tie that with the laugh floor. Because again, okay. these live improvisers are so funny and they're just so quick. They um, are. I'll, I'll put those two together and then, um, what was the third? Her magic. Yeah, Phil magic is very well done. But yeah, that'd be the third. Okay. Minnie Mouse, Mulan. Vanellope von Schweetz. <laughs> Minnie Mouse, sure. And then Mulan, then Vanellope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now your favorite, you said, is Tinkerbell. Talk oh, to me about that. Well, she's, you know, you know how she gets her name? 
because she tinkers with things. She's mm-hmm. so creative. She looks at things that are broken and she fixes them. And my husband's like that. And I call him MacGyver. He's my Tinkerbell MacGyver guy. <laughs> um, she's, she's clever. She's witty. She's sassy. She's sassy. And she, she's a little mischievous, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but she has this thing called pixie dust. And everybody teases me, even my cousin, since I was a little girl, they say, you just were born. Your blood is nothing but pixie dust. And it's mm-hmm. just, it, she, she can, again, wow, to fly? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so many things about Tinkerbell that uh, she's a little bit sometimes uh, too mischievous and gets herself in trouble, but figures out. She usually is mischievous trying to do something good for someone. In mm-hmm. the end. Now, she was jealous. She was jealous. Uh, she wanted Peter Pan to herself. That, that's the, that's the uh, you know, we all have something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving on to keyboard props. <laughs> Haunted Mansion. Sunny Eclipse at Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe, Country Bear Jamboree. Haunted Mansion for sure. That's That was so cool. I just mm-hmm. love that room and this massive organ. Um, there's this organist that works at the theater, the Majestic Theater that Disney owns in LA, and he plays this amazing organ that's like that. And we recently saw him in Anaheim. So definitely that, Haunted Mansion. And then a sunny eclipse because I think it's just a cool concept. I liked it better when they had, they used to have a guy that actually played these massive synthesizers all around him. Um, he was wonderful. What's his name? Jonathan. Gosh, he was brilliant. I liked it better if they'd have a, a real person doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Country Bear Jamboree. It's fabulous seeing him sitting there playing the piano. I love mm-hmm. it. They're all great. Yeah. All right. The last two we're doing in Louis. Okay. This is real pianos. Rosen Crown Pub, American Pavilion, Grand Floridian. Oh, Grand Floridian, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, the Rosen Crown Pub is actually a keyboard put into a piano case, but it's a pretty good keyboard. And the American Adventure, you said? Uh, American Pavilion. Oh, the Mel- American Pavilion, inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a Steinway. That was a very old Steinway that they had, and they they fixed that up for me to play at um, this past year. That would be third. Okay, uh, <laughs> and you said it was a grand piano at the Grand. It's Florian? a concert grand piano. A Steinway. How how, how big is that? It's probably nine foot one, probably mm. down there. Yeah. Nice. Is it black? Is it white? Yeah. I, I... When I first started at the Grand Floridian in 1990, it was an old chickering from the early 1900s and it had ebony keys uh, and mahogany. No, it was brown and black. There were no white keys on it. It had mahogany Hmm. and ebony. It was really, the first time I played at it was freaky because, you know, there were no white keys and you're looking at these brown and black keys and it looked exquisite. The, the, um, the legs were all these elaborate carvings, but it was a hard piano to play. It looked great, but it was challenging. And when they brought in that Steinway grand, I thought, wow, Nice. Well, thank you for playing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yay, that was fun. That was fun. Do you have time to play one more game? Sure. i got all the time in the world. Excellent. This game is called As the Nose Grows, Pinocchio, True or False. Uh-oh. I'm going Uh-oh. to give you a statement. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think you'll love it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a statement, and you have to tell me whether you think that statement is true or false. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Mickey's premium ice cream bar is a Mickey Mouse shaped slab of vanilla ice cream enrobed in a chocolate coating. 
This Nestle product is sold at carts in the parks and in freezer cases in the Disney resorts. True or false, according to Disney, over 3 million Mickey bars are sold each year at Walt Disney World alone. I'd have to say true because I probably ate 2 million of them myself. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Fun fact. Carol Stein ate 2 million of the Mickey bars. (laughs) <laughs> well, we did when we went uh, for this celebration. We stayed at, on, on property at the Coronado for a few days. And we were so excited to get to the parks that we forgot to eat breakfast. So we did have a Mickey bar for breakfast. <laughs> we really did. It has milk. <laughs> That's true. Ha- Protein. <laughs> <laughs> so so your answer is correct. It, it is true. In order to produce that many bars, Nestle created a facility near Fresno, California to mass produce the bar where they produce 170,000 bars per day. So, Carol, when are you moving to Fresno? (laughs) All right. The next one. On the Disney Wish, the piano bar Nightingales Mm -hmm. is inspired by and themed around the song Sing Sweet Nightingale from Mm -hmm. the movie Cinderella. True or false, the chandelier that's above the baby grand piano has the actual music notes on a staff to the song, Sing Sweet Nightingale. It's absolutely true because the pianist, Matt, who is a brilliant pianist who plays there, told me so and I looked at it. It does. (laughs) It does. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) Now, each for the listeners, if 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 you're not aware, each music note has a sparkling hand cut crystal in its center, and the music surrounds hand blown glass bubbles. It's really beautiful. It is, yeah. We spent every really night is. there. We did. We'd go there every night for joy. We even did uh, uh, chocolate and wine tasting there in Nightingales. Mm. They have that. That was educational and delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> Now, I'm sure you saw the two-story hand-woven tapestry that's right across the hall from Nightingales that has Cinderella in it, and she's cleaning the floor, and those bubbles are coming up all around her. So I thought it was really neat to tie in the that bubbles tapestry. With I'm sure yeah, they, they specifically, these Imagineers, they are just right on it. Oh, sure. All right, I have one more for you. Okay. The Sherman Brothers wrote more motion picture musical song scores than any other songwriting team in film history. Mm. Together, they received two Academy Awards, three Grammy Awards, 23 Gold and Platinum Certified Albums, the National Medal of the Arts, and they have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. True or false, the Sherman Brothers' most famous song is, Hey, Don't Touch My Pastrami Sandwich. I would think it would be supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> It is. It is. <laughs> it is not. Hey, don't touch my pastrami. <laughs> when I was going through this with my wife, she happened to be in mid sip, and it did not. Make it <laughs> That's so cute. So, some of their most famous works include "Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious." Mm-hmm. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it's a small world. And Winnie the Pooh. Is a Winnie the Pooh song. is another one. I, I love that. I turned it into a jazz waltz and I just love it. It's a, Their melodies are just charmant. You turned Winnie the Pooh into a jazz waltz. Yeah. 
Mm. You are magical. <laughs> you are magical. What's your favorite Sherman Brothers song? There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. It's you know, there's, there's it's hope. Song. It's just hope. It's again, it's a positive message that everybody just needs. You know, mm-hmm. when when we go through times of challenging, music is there. Music and humor that gets us through life. And songs mm-hmm. like that, you know, might sound corny and cliche, but it's helped many, many people get through a rainy, dreary, dark day. Mm-hmm. Well, Carol, thank you for playing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And as the nose grows, Pinocchio to her fun. Oh, that was fun. In honor of the Disney Fab Five, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and Pluto, I like to end each interview with my Fab Five questions. Mm. Who is your favorite Disney character from the movies? Well, it has to be Tinkerbell. Okay. Yeah, just, uh, you know, it does. (laughs) For reasons stated. Okay. Excellent. Who's your favorite character to meet in the parks? Well, besides Mickey, of course, because that's always a thrill for anybody, no matter what age. I'd say Mary Poppins. Mm, Why Mary Poppins? Um, Again, she brings a, a sense of completion and order and happiness all together. If you could ask any character a question, who would you ask and what would you ask? I'd ask Mickey Mouse if he would become the CEO of Walt Disney World <laughs> and always be on the board and, and maintain Walt's dream of making all the parks a joyous, magical entertainment experience available to everyone. Mm. Yeah. Nice. If you could have one special quality of any Disney character, what would it be? That's between two. I'd love to be able to have the ability to fly. So mm-hmm. like Tinkerbell, just have a pixie dust spread it to everybody, bringing happiness and fly. Or have a, a voice like Ariel. Mm. <laughs> Okay. If you could spend a day with Walt Disney, what would you do? I'd sit at a piano and play his favorite song, Feed the Birds, from Mm -hmm. Mary Poppins by the Sherman Brothers, and a bunch of other Disney music just to show him how much happiness his vision has brought to so many people for generations. And then I'd like to go through to all the parks with him. And I'd like him to see all the live entertainment and the shows and the attractions and discuss with him his opinions of where the Disney company is. And I would like to sit in either the Dahlia Bar over there at the top of the Coronado Towers or the Nomad Lounge, have a drink and and ask him if he's happy with the direction of the Disney brand and, and, and the new concepts that he could perhaps envision Uh, for us going forward while maintaining the brand that has brought so much joy to the world. Yeah. What do you think his answer would be? I think it would be wonder and awe at how it has grown into something he probably would love to have envisioned but not imagined it could ever get to be whether it's the movies that touch everybody around the world or the parks or the Broadway shows, 
And I think he'd have some issues with uh, some of the decisions that have been made. But everybody has their opinions about various issues, and I'm mm-hmm. sure he would too. But I think he would be in awe of the creative and imagineering side of everything. And then he would have some opinions on other things, (laughs) (laughs) as we all do. (laughs) Carol, you are an absolute treasure. Thank you for spending part of your day talking with me about your life and and your career. I, I just loved every minute of it. I'm honored. I'm honored that you even contacted me to be here. I truly am. I think you're terrific, and I I appreciate being here so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. As I mentioned, I I always end each interview with my Fab Five questions, but I do have one more thing I'd like to ask you about, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. What? So Marvin Hamlish and Howard Ashman wrote the song Disneyland for the 1986 Broadway musical Smile. Mm-hmm. I understand you wrote a song about Disney World. Can you talk about that? Um, well, you know, I really hope that Disney might even consider using it. It's, um, you know, I am who I am. I'm Disney is a big part of my life. It's not the only part of my life, but it certainly is a big part. And when you walk in the parks and you have this feeling of bewonder, of wonder, it's it kind of just, one day I just sat down and went, you know what? I need to write a song. So I did. And it took about a day because it just came. It's just one of those natural things that, you know, they always say, write what you know about. So I did. Nice. Would you mind playing a little bit of it? Okay. Okay. Maybe we can do that. <laughs> we can try. My keyboard's. Right here, we'll see. I don't know how it'll sound. You'll have to let me know. As I look upon the castle, spires reaching up so high, colors swirling all around me, pixie dust is in the sky. All my restless imprehensions seem to simply disappear. Looking round in total wonder, now believing I am here. Walt Disney World, where hopes and dreams come true. Walt Disney World, there's fantasy for me and you. Ever since I was a child, I'd wish upon a star. Walt Disney World, here you are. Walking down on Main Street, music everywhere. People laughing, photographing. There is magic in the air, ready for adventure. Listening to a big brass band, carousels and teacup rides, and happiness in every land. Walt Disney World, where hopes and dreams come true. Walt Disney World, there's fantasy for me and you. Ever since I was a child, I'd wish upon the star. Walt Disney World, here you are. 
There's a jungle expedition. You can hear a lion roar. I see a yeti or a tiger on a banshee. You can soar. Sail away to frozen lands. Talk with a turtle in the sea. Be a pirate. Or a princess, dreams become reality. There's a jungle expedition, and you can hear a lion roar. I see a yeti or a tiger on a banshee. You can soar, sail away to frozen lands, talk with a turtle in the sea, meet a pirate or a princess. Dreams become reality. Walt Disney World, where hopes and dreams come true. Walt Disney World. There's fantasy for me and you. Ever since I was a child, I'd wish upon a star. Walt Disney World. Here we are. Oh, Carol, <laughs> you are inspirational. You are perfection. You are magical. Thank you for being a guest on The Mouse and Me. I'm I'm so happy to know you. Thank you, Scott. You've just made me so happy. Thank you. And that'll do it for this episode of The Mouse and Me. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review, and tell all of your friends. And if you didn't like it, well, tell your enemies. Be sure to follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me. You can also email me at themouseandmepodcast at gmail.com and visit patreon.com slash themouseandme to support the show. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever and see you real soon. Mm-hmm.